Welcome to the VBAC Link podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes one, two, and three. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Welcome. Happy Wednesday. We are on episode seven right now. and I'm really excited because we have some pretty fun things we're going to explain to you at the beginning of this episode. Up until now, We've been releasing episodes like kind of sporadically and every couple of days. But moving forward, we are just going to have regularly scheduled episodes every Wednesday morning. So this is our first Wednesday scheduled episode, and we are excited to get into a regular routine with everybody. So Wednesday morning, when you get up, Make sure you're subscribed. Get on and download your episode while you're changing your baby's diapers or making breakfast or whatever you're doing because we know you're all busy moms like us. Every once in a while, we're going to have a special edition of our episodes. Our first planned one is uh, kind of exciting. Me and Megan are really excited, and we'll just throw those out every once in a while. So um, so if you're surprised one day, then then that's our goal, to surprise and keep you happy. So that's how we're going to work moving forward. We have a really cool episode today for a couple of reasons. First of all, I'm really excited about our guest, as you'll see when you, when you meet her. But second of all, Megan is with me today. We, every once in a while, going to be on calls together. Um, what you'll find out is we're really not very, we're not together very much. But when we are and when our schedules match up, we, we like to be both on the phone with you, and I'm going to actually turn it over to her now. <laughs> Yay! I'm so excited that everything worked out for me to be with you guys today. Can't wait to hear Kelsey's story. And, um, yeah, don't forget to follow us on social media. Even though episodes won't be posted every day and just every Wednesday, we're still on Instagram and Facebook, and during the week we'll be posting um, other stories and, and other things on the feed, and we love to interact with you. So make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and you know, bring us your questions. We'd love to answer them, whether or not it's on social media or in our podcast. That's right, because sometimes the only adult interaction we get is with people on Instagram and Facebook. So <laughs> go ahead and give us a follow there. It's at the VBAC link on Insta and on Facebook. Megan and I were talking, we wanted to come up with a special name for our followers, for women like you that are hoping for VBAC or who have had VBACs and want to share their story. So we decided on the term woman of strength, and we decided on that term because we know that all of you are, are women of strength. You are seeking to improve yourselves and improve your families and improve the outcomes for your babies. And we are so proud of you, every single one of you, even the ones we haven't met. 
we believe in you and we have faith in your strength and your ability to overcome and make the best choices for your family. So we are going to just refer to you as as women of strength from now on because we don't want you to ever forget how strong you really are. All right, now we're going to move into our episode. I have my friend Kelsey here. And Kelsey, um, I was stalking VBAC hashtags on Instagram. Um, It was, I think, the day we launched. And I saw Kelsey's story, and it excited me so much. Then I started looking at her Instagram page a little bit more and saw how cute and fun she is and trust me you are going to want to follow her on instagram because and i'm going to put a link to her profile in our show notes so go ahead follow her you're going to see exactly what i mean by her just fun bright feed and it will lighten up your day as it did mine so i'm going to turn the time over to kelsey but before i do i want to share um part of her story that i feel like a lot of women are getting with v-backs now and kelsey's really petite woman and I forget what number, how many doctors told her that she was just too small to ever push a baby out vaginally. And um, when I heard that, and then I saw and heard the victory of her story, it was just so exciting to me. So I'm going to actually turn the time over to her and let her tell you all about it. Are you there, Kelsey? I am, yes. Hey, well, first of all, thank you again for giving me this opportunity. I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> But let's see, where do I even begin? So we got pregnant with our first son, um, and I had one of those really annoying, like, amazing, beautiful pregnancies that (laughs) I was just glowing. I was happy. I didn't have any negative symptoms, really, whatsoever. I was really active. I did yoga. It was just completely night and day difference from my last pregnancy, but we'll get to that. But (laughs) it was really, um, I didn't have a doula, but I went to our really, a really well-known doctor in my area. um, And everything was, everything was good. Every appointment was, it was fine. I did notice that there really wasn't much interaction. There was no, you know, hey, how you doing? It was really just, in and out, I swear, I was probably never at an OB appointment for more than 10 minutes at a time. I feel like I waited longer to get into the appointment. So everything was fine, though. Um, at about 36 weeks, which is crazy because it's pretty late in the game, um, I woke up, and I kid you not, my stomach looked like a giant box. Um, so my my intuition instantly said, oh, my God, this baby is transverse. He's flipping. Um, and so I called my doctor. Um, they got me in right away for an appointment. And she just kind of reached on up there and said, nope, nope, I feel baby's head. He's head down. We're good to go. Um, there's no ultrasound, nothing. So she just kind of set me on my way. Um, and, you know, in my mind, because at the time, you know, this was my first pregnancy, I really put all of my faith and trust into my doctor. So I'm like, okay, he's good. He's, he's head down. Um, and we progressed on with the pregnancy. We were about, we were five days overdue. Um, I shouldn't say overdue because it's completely <laughs> normal to the due date. Um, but, you know, and that's why we weren't, we weren't concerned. It was just completely normal. He was going to come when he was going to come. So we had done a lot of walking. It was Memorial Day. It was hot. Um, and that night, my husband and I laid down. 
and I was like the little spoon spooning him (laughs) (laughs) water so you know everyone says like it's not like the movies it's not this big explosion it's usually the you know a little trickle you know mine was the explosion it was like a fire hydrant Rain directly onto my husband's pelvis because he was oh my gosh! <laughs> so we both we jumped up and he starts cracking up. I start cracking up because I'm making a mess all over our bed to the bathroom, and then I got my first contraction, and it took me down to my knees. And I'm like, okay, it's happening, <laughs> it's go time. So. Uh, we kind of just rustled up our stuff. Um, John had called the doctor. They so said to get in right away because my water had broke. Um, so we got in, and things actually with him were progressing so fast. So I went in at a five, and in only a couple hours, I was at an eight. Um, I really wanted the unmedicated you know, delivery. Um, so I was doing well with it. I really felt like I was coping with labor fairly well. Um, We, like another hour later, I had another huge gush of fluid. um, And I, it was kind of, it just, it kind of took me back because after that fire hydrant explosion, I really didn't think anything (laughs) left in me to come out and it felt pretty significant. So we looked down and it was black. Um, Mm -hmm. So it, it was meconium. Um, but I was really getting that urge. Like I just had that deep, deep urge to get the baby out. So um, after an exam, they wanted to see, you know, how far along I was. They were kind of on their toes, weighing to see if I could push. Um, the nurse had said something didn't feel right. And so she hurried up and she pulled over um, the ultrasound machine that was next to the bed and she said, your baby is breech. Oh, no. Yeah, so it was the two factors of meconium and breach, um, and it wasn't, you know, minutes later, everyone came in, we're scrubbing up. Um, I I didn't prepare for a C-section. I know you really can't say you're prepared really for anything because anything can happen in labor. We know that in right. Um But I think I was just so gung-ho about, you know, and – an unmedicated delivery that it just didn't even cross my mind, really. And that's naive of me, but it didn't. So I got scared, and, of course, I just looked at my husband, and I started sobbing because I didn't know what to expect. I'm signing paperwork. You know, they're asking me how many tattoos I have, what metal I have on my body, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> you know, I couldn't process what was happening. So we went down to OR, and... Um, they, they sent me in the room to get the spinal. For some reason, um, they, don't, they didn't let my husband in for that either, which I never understood because they wouldn't let him in a room for a needle in my back, but they let him watch my guts get cut open. So <laughs> right. I, I, I don't really understand, but it, it kind of took me back because I really needed him. I needed him, you know, there in me. So yeah. ended up confiding in the sweet nurse that was in the OR with me and I had my face in her bosom as I was getting my <laughs> spinal and I was just sobbing into her chest and she was, um, you know, kind of just rubbing my shoulder saying everything was going to be fine. My husband came in and I had 
the, and I know a lot of women that I've talked to, you know, experience the same thing, but I just had these uncontrollable shakes and mm-hmm. I was on a table with my arms, you know, to either side and I was just sh- shaking so dramatically and I didn't, you know, I didn't know what it was. So I'm sitting here like, I'm sorry, I must be cold and yada, yada. And the anesthesiologist is like, no, it's because you have no control over your home price now. So he's like, everything's fine. And then I had like this random thought of, oh my gosh, I have a permanent retainer in my mouth. That's metal. I didn't tell them about it. And so I said, it was just, it was kind of funny, but I was so terrified. I'm like, oh my gosh, I have a permanent retainer. And he was like, oh, my gosh, did you write it down? I'm like, no, no, I did it. And it was just like like as if a permanent retainer was really going to make a big difference. But it still, I had, like, the worst case scenario flashed across my mind. And he's like, you're going to be just So my husband was there, and, I, you know, I felt the tugging, and Finn was born. And he was perfectly healthy. We didn't even end up meeting any other um, – you know, it was not necessary to stay longer than I had to. There was no meconium in his system. And they said, thankfully, because he was breached, when he did poop, you know, it just flew straight out of me instead of passing by his face. So it was actually kind of a blessing in disguise. But like I said, everything with that was fine. The recovery was a little bit tricky. Um, I, I did well with it, but it still, I was bracing myself to do just about everything as we as we know, um, it's, it's quite interesting how much we use our ab muscles. But I knew that it's not what I wanted for our next pregnancies and birth. Um, so right away, I just, I knew I wanted to do that. I got interesting when I went in for my six-week checkup, and my doctor was kind of, she was just very nonchalant about the whole ordeal. Oh, you know, we must have, I guess I was feeling a bum and not a head. It happens all the time. You know, I'm like, really? That happens all the time? Like, that's, that's awful. That happens all the time. And she, in the same breath, was like, you know what? Now we can just schedule every one of your babies from here on out. It was oh, just like, gosh. I kind of did one of those nervous laughs. Like, <laughs> you know, like, what? I, I was kind of weighing in to see if she was joking or not. But she most definitely was not joking. She was serious. Um. And so when I said, you know, I want to be back, she, she said, you know, okay, but I just knew right away that that was going to be a battle if I had stuck with her. So um, I, I knew right then and there that it wasn't going to work for, you know, future pregnancies. But in the meantime, you know, we've got this beautiful boy. Um, I, I would kind of tell people my story and even even some family unfortunately yeah, you know we were talking about our story and how you know I ended up in a cesarean and I just was getting those repeat comments of well, you're so small anyways like there's no way a baby is going to pass through those hips and you know just story after story of someone who knew someone who tried and tried and pushed and pushed and the baby's head was stuck for hours and yada yada and which I know really truly does happen, but, you know, it's, I, I wasn't buying it that it was not going to happen for me. Um, so I, the thing I think that triggered me the most is I went to my family doctor 
at the time, and um, my mom is also very small, and she had four C-sections, but for various reasons. None of them were that up. They couldn't be passed through. You know, I have a brother with developmental disabilities. You know, one of us is breached. There was just various things. Um, but we were talking about future pregnancies and births, and my family doctor just flat out said, like, you and your mom are not made to birth babies. And so I just, it took me so it just took me so far back, and I can remember getting in my car and crying out of rage, and I called my husband. He's like, what is the matter? I'm like, I, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of being told that my body is not capable of having a baby vaginally. I just said there's no, there's no rhyme or reason. You know, people have been having babies for millions of years, and I'm sure there was a couple petite ones in there. I... I, it, I, I've wanted a VBAC. I've always wanted one because it's just what I want, but that almost fueled it even more. Um, so we ended up getting pregnant with our second son, um, and things, things, were, things were good. There was one little hiccup in the very beginning um, in that we had a pretty significant, significant subchorionic hemorrhage, um, mm-hmm. and... So I, I was a little nervous about that because in my mind, I just, I didn't want anyone to use any little thing as something they could hold over my head for a reason not to have a vaginal delivery. Um, I guess I should probably say that when I got pregnant, I, I, I originally wanted a midwife. Um, I called around to various locations. Um, asking to have a midwife take me on. And unfortunately, in our area, um, there wasn't any midwives that were comfortable with with having a VBAC. They were all 100% supportive of it, but they just wanted me to have the support of a doctor. Um, so I found, I did find a location. Um, they, they set me up. I was speaking with a, a midwife. And she had said that she couldn't personally take me on, but she, her coworker, um, who was an OB in the facility, would be, you know, she's like, I know, I know she would want to take you on. I got in with her, and I knew immediately that she was supportive. Like, she was a gung-ho supporter of the VBAC. Um, I felt comfortable right away. I knew that she was serious about it because she openly discussed the miscommunication, I guess, or over-communication of the, the scares, you know, of, of VBAC as opposed to, you know, the risk of repeat cesarean. So she openly talked about that and how, and, and, you know, and I told her, I said, we want a lot of family. We're thinking four or five kids. Um, and I knew, too, you know, in all the research I had done that repeat cesarean just wasn't going to be a good option for us. So, but she like I said, she shared that information with me and I really appreciated that. Um, and I really liked her too because she worked hand in hand with midwives. Um, so they kind of bounce things off one another, um, which was, which was great. So we ended up going with that location and right away though, it was completely different. It was a completely different experience. Everyone there, they treated you like you were just, you know, you're pregnant, you know, how are you doing the second you walked in the door? It was support, 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 and I needed that so bad. 
um, because I hadn't gotten any kind of support for other other than my husband before then. Um, I also knew I wanted a doula this time around, so I contacted a service, doula service in our area and got connected with Melissa, um, and she was with us from the get-go. Absolutely amazing. I will never not have a doula. She was such an amazing component of our pregnancy and our delivery, but um, I got with her. And... So moving on with the pregnancy, um, got to the subchorionic hemorrhage. They kept saying just to kind of expect a lot of bleeding. Um, and I never bled. And I was almost panicking because I wasn't bleeding, which is really weird when you're pregnant. <laughs> want to bleed, but they kept telling me to expect this big rush of blood because it had to get out. Um, and I never got it, but it really it ended up just being absorbed back into my system. So there was nothing um, that ever really commenced with that, which, you know, thankfully happened. Um, so in this pregnancy, I, things were good. I had the sciatic pain. I had some, it was not as smooth as my first pregnancy. We will say that, but it was not horrible. It was, a, it was still a good pregnancy. Um, but I found myself just totally immersed in, in information regarding VDAC. Like, I just wanted to know everything. I, you know, I read my Ina Mae Gaskin books, and I was so excited for just this experience and, um, you know, this unmedicated delivery and, you know, feeling everything. But I... It was kind of sad because I was so excited, yet I felt like I had to do this research because I felt like I had to to defend myself the whole time. Like, I, I went as far as to research my every last legal right within the hospital setting because where I was going to be delivering was in the hospital. Um, and, you know, real research on VBAC insisted statistics. That way, if anybody came at me in any way, I was prepared for it. I was prepared to defend myself in my reasoning. Um, and obviously, I knew that if something, if it was detrimental to my health or my baby's health, of course, I would consider other routes. It wasn't a matter of me being like gung-ho against C-section. It was just I knew what I wanted, um, you know, God willing. And it's so, so long as everything was good and healthy along the way. But I, like I said, I just found myself in all of this information. Um, and as, as things started drawing nearer, um, my doctor had to, because it was protocol, um, set up a C-section date, a repeat cesarean date. Um, and she had set it for 12 days past my due date, which I, at the time, I'm like, wow, that's really generous. There's no way I'm going to go over 12 days. <laughs> that gives me plenty of time to progress. And she knew, you know, I wanted no intervention whatsoever. I didn't want membrane sleep. I just, you know, wanted to let this go. So I'm like, you know, like I said, that was really generous of her. So we're getting closer <laughs> to our due date. And I was having a ton of breaths and hicks the whole, whole month of October. So I'm like, this, this kid's totally going to come any day now. He's, he's right. <laughs> I am low. I felt like my belly touching my knees at that point. We end up getting to our due date. 
um, and then a week past our due date, and the scheduled cesarean date just was dauntingly getting nearer and nearer, and I really started to be fearful that it was it was going to happen before I went into labor naturally. So the due date came, um, not due date, the repeat cesarean date came. Um, it was actually the day before. I had a um, an OB appointment just to see how things were going. And in my mind, I'm like, well, this is kind of like a pre-op appointment because my C-section is scheduled tomorrow at, you know, 5.30 in the morning. So I was really nerved up. I was really emotional um, because we were 11 days past their due date. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I just, even with that, you know, and me wanting to be back in my mind again, it was just one more thing that they'd be able to, you know, one more reason for them to say, you know, we can't do this anymore. Um, I I went in, and it was one of those things, like, the, really the stars and the universe truly did align because my doctor was on vacation for a week before that, um, and it was one of those things where I could have had any random doctor on their team um, deliver, and I really wanted her, obviously, because we had talked and both wanted to see back for me so bad. Um, so she was back from vacation, um, and she had her nurse sit me down when I got to the appointment, and she said... You know, she apparently had a really long night. There was a lot of babies <laughs> born the night before. <laughs> and she said, you know what, you and baby are in perfect health. There's no reason for the C-section tomorrow. How about we reevaluate at the end of the week, and if baby, you know, still hasn't come or you still haven't gone into labor naturally, we'll talk about gentle induction methods. So, Wow, in that that's moment, awesome. So in that moment, and this is – where it, it, things got crazy, I obviously my doula was there with me as, as well as my husband, and I looked at them, and again because I'm just emotional, and at that point mm-hmm. I was just a friend. But I looked at them, and my eyes just welted up, and I felt the biggest sense of relief, the biggest. Like I, I still had a chance. You know, this, they're giving me more than two weeks, which I just thought was so great um and we walked out in the parking lot and I went into active labor so I had strong contractions right from the get-go but it was it was pretty wild because I truly believe that that mental block was really what was holding my body back from going into labor I I feel like just having that date that scheduled C-section date and me staring at that and focusing on that instead of focusing on just letting my body relax, it was holding me back. So to hear that I didn't have to go in tomorrow morning, you know, it, it, that release and that, it was just relief. And I think that's honestly, like I said, I really feel like that's what helped my body just to do what it needed to do. So we were 35 minutes away from home. Um, and my doula, she knew I wanted to go home and labor as long as possible because, again, I just didn't want to go into the hospital setting before, you know, I was I was ready and I didn't want opinions. I just I wanted to be able to do my thing. So my husband and I drove home. 
Um, my contractions at that point were about six minutes apart, so um, he had to run and do some errands. I went and took my son to my mom, and I kind of just labored there for a while. Um, I was, and this was really interesting too, but my son was two at the time, um, and I was very quiet when I had my contractions, so I wasn't outwardly expressing that I was having one when I did, but every time I had one, my son would come and he'd give me the biggest hug and he'd just say, Oh, mom. so he, he just intuitively, he knew, um, you know, what was going on. So things started speeding up. I left my son with my mom. I went home. My husband ran me a bath and then things, it, it didn't slow it down. <laughs> I know sometimes running a bath can kind of slow, slow down early labor, but, um, things pretty quickly went from six minutes to, you know, four minutes. And I was talking to my doula and she's like, you know, Kels, you're, you're this far overdue. You're 35 minutes away from the hospital. I really think we should probably get there. <laughs> so, <laughs> up and we got there. Um, and I was in triage. And I should probably say too, that when we, I did do a birth plan this time around um, and we, there were some things I really couldn't um, budge in when it came to what I wanted. Um, and one of those things was because I was a VBAC, I had to be continuously monitored. Um, but they knew I wanted to move around freely. They were willing to let me hop in the tub real quick if, you know, if I wanted to. Um, and then I also, this time on my birth plan, I did include, in case it ended up in, a, in another C-section, you know, things that I wanted, like, you know, skin to skin right away in the OR because I didn't get that with, um, you know, my first, my first birth, yeah. he was, you know, I saw him for two seconds and then he and my husband were off by themselves for 45 minutes. So I, I was really adamant about, you know, even if it did end up in a C-section, I wanted that, that time. Um, so anyways, I, we were in triage and I was asked, I was only five centimeters dilated, um, which was kind of shocking, but they're like, of course you're in active labor, like we're keeping you, we're giving you a room. So after in triage, everyone kind of slowly started finding out that I was a VBAC mom, and more and more people I found were poking their head in and seeing how things were going. Um, I did, I did um, test positive for group B this time around, so I had to get that um, antibiotic rolling in me as well. So it was the antibiotic plus um, the monitoring that people were kind of checking in on, but um, I can remember feeling while I was laying in the bed in triage, I just, this deep, um, a, a drop. I, I felt like my stomach probably physically moved down, um, and they lost the heartbeat, and it was just, it was panic mode. I, it went from, you know, the couple people that were in there to six people and running around and, you know, she's a V-back mom, she's a V-back. And my doula was whispering in my ear, Kelsey, just move, just move, just move. Like, I know the baby just moved. That's it. We got to find the heartbeat. And I don't know if I was just in a whole other world or I was so immersed in these contractions that I was kind of dumbfound almost I you know I was kind of frozen and she got I don't know where she got the strength to do this because I had a big old belly but she physically took me and flopped me over onto my back she just did like a quick flip of the hands and there I was on my back 
<laughs> so everyone was relieved. Heartbeat was there, but um, you know, it kind of for a brief moment put me on edge because I just I again was scared that oh you know this is one more thing they're going to hold against me. This is one more thing that's going to hold me back from accomplishing this. And it got to a point where I just said, you know what, Kelsey, like you have to let go of that and you just have to focus on yourself and this baby um, and stop worrying about what other people are thinking. So we get into our room, um, and things are going really well, actually. I was, I was definitely the one on all fours mooing like a cow the entire time. Um, and my doula was just an absolute rock star because she held that monitor, that fetal monitor was not staying on me for, for the life of me. It was moving every two seconds. So she... She sat there and held that thing on me the entire time. And I was in labor for 14 hours. So this boy took his sweet old time, that's for <laughs> sure. But she held it on me. Um, about six hours in, and it was pretty, you know, I was handling it well, but it was pretty intense. It was very overwhelming. I just, I needed a break, but I knew I didn't want an epidural. So I got a low dose of Stadol, um, and that really took the edge off for about 30 minutes. But it was honestly just what I needed. It, it, I could breathe for, you know, 30 minutes. I, you know, I still felt the contractions intensely. It just, it, like I said, it took the edge off, and I felt like I had a minute to breathe. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, things got intense again, and I was ready for it. You know, it was go time. So um, I do really, I really feel like I needed that. <laughs> um, about six hours later, I was still in active, active, active labor. We were checking in. I was progressing, but it was not as quickly as I was anticipating. My doula kept saying, do you have to go to the bathroom? Do you have to pee? I'm like, no, 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 I really don't. I, you know, I really don't, I swear. Um, but um, that proved to be otherwise. I'll, I'll share that in a little bit. But um, we got to the point, it finally, it was, it was nearing the end of the night. We were close to, you know, it being the next day. And my water had not broken yet, so I got that. I got that broke. Um, the doctor came in with her, like, crochet needle looking <laughs> water broke and things started moving quicker again but it was funny because my doula the whole time was like are you sure you don't have to go to the bathroom I'm like I really don't I don't think so so it finally got to the point of me needing to push we were 10 centimeters dilated it was go time and I did ask like I got to the point where I was like, just give me the epidural. Just give it to me. <laughs> and I actually said that, and my doctor and Melissa, my doula, kind of just looked at me and smirked, and they're like, we're going to push. <laughs> they're like, okay, we get it, but no, we're going to push now. <laughs> Started pushing, and oh, my gosh, it was kind of embarrassing, but at that point, you guys know, like, you you just don't care. Oh, yeah. I flew it just started spraying all over my doctor and my husband was like whoa it's whoa it's the water and everyone was like no no that's pee <laughs> <laughs> so oh my gosh 
pieces were unfortunately just me emptying my bladder onto my pulver. <laughs> oh my gosh. After that, I get why, you know, Melissa, my doula, kept asking me why I had to go to the bathroom because after that I pushed three more times and Wells, my son, was out. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I guess it's duly noted for the next time, go to the bathroom. Like, get back to your bladder. Yeah. I was holding him back there. But it was really, it was so incredible. You know, everyone talks about the ring of fire. But for me, I feel like I was on, it's really hard to explain, but I just felt like I was on a whole other level. Like, almost, not blacked out, because I was there, but I was just, I was really, it was almost euphoric, and I can remember pushing, and I found relief in the pushing. So whatever pain was there, I didn't feel it as I was pushing. When I let off from a push, of course, I felt everything. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think what really got me is I saw them turn on the warming, you know, the warming lights, and people kind of moved in closer and I was like, Oh my God, this is actually happening. Like he's coming out. Um, and then they said, reach down and feel your baby. And I reached down and I felt his head and I gave that last final push and, you know, he was out and he was on my chest and they respected every wish that I had in my plan. And it was just, it was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. I cannot even, I wish I could, relive that moment in all of his agony over and over and over again, honestly. And then he, like a kitten, found his way to my nipple, and he started nursing on his own right away. It was incredible. So that that was his birth. Um, I did hear, and I did not know that until I felt her stitching me back up (laughs) as I was holding. (laughs) the baby and I kind of just looked at you know Dr. I'm like did I rip did I tear she's like yeah yeah you did but you know don't even focus on that focus on your baby like okay (laughs) 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 so I did have it was only a second degree um but you know it it sure beats the recovery time from amen the whole thing you know I cannot I was just so grateful. You know, originally in my birth plan, too, I had put that, you know, I didn't want any, you know, residents in the room. I didn't want any more nurses than there had to be. But as I was progressing in labor and getting this feel for everyone, I was like, the more the merrier. Like, I just felt like I had a team of doulas. Like, every one of them were just so supportive and so encouraging. I had two students in the room with me, actually. Um, the one of them was in tears. It was her first birth. The one nurse, um, she's like, you know, I wasn't going to tell you this. She's like, but every VBAC I've ever been in had been unsuccessful. So she started to get emotional because this was her first VBAC experience. So it was just, it was incredible. I, like I said, I really just felt like I had so much support from everybody in that room. Um, and yeah, it was great. I, I feel like what was most traumatic was after after birth, I, I got up for the first time, and I had a nurse on either side of me, and they're like, okay, you know, if you start to feel dizzy or if you feel really hot or you start losing, you know, if you can't hear us anymore, and as she was saying that, I, like, completely lost all sound around me, and I did a face plant into the bathroom wall. Oh, no. 
passed out and then threw up all over the place. And then I was like gold. I was good to go. So apparently all I needed to do was pass out and throw up to feel like a million bucks. Did that. And like I said, the rest, the rest is history. It was just a really great experience. I will say, I think my dream, dream birth, as wonderful as that was, um, is a water birth. But unfortunately, and even now, I've, I've been kind of looking around and no one does water births around here, which is really wild. Um, but it, it, that's VBAC or no VBAC. Um, I, I mean, if I want to go an hour away, they do water births. But for some reason here, it's just not it's not normal policy. It's not part of their policy yet. So the hope is the next time I do get pregnant, um, I, of course, want to be back again. I want to continue to have, you know, vaginal deliveries, um, God willing. But um, I really want to try for a water birth. But like I said, it was really great. <laughs> it was a really great experience this time around. So, yeah, that's my story. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so exciting. I loved every bit of your story. Did you say you hired your doula from an agency? I really wanted her. So not only did um, quite a few of my coworkers go to her and just say that she was absolutely wonderful, but she had experience with VBAC. She had done, I want to say, it was in the 30s, somewhere around 30-something um, VBAC deliveries. So I was really comfortable with her. And I knew that someone you know, as much research as I did and, you know, prepared myself. We all know how vulnerable we are in that time of labor. And I just wanted someone there that was going to advocate for me, um, you know, and someone who had that kind of experience. And she did. And she was so great. I am so grateful for her. Kelsey lives in Michigan, right? I thought she lives in Utah, guys, anyways. But she's in (laughs) Michigan. Um, So anyone that needs a doula, if you're going for a VBAC, it sounds like, um, Melissa was her name, right? Yeah, Melissa. Yeah. It's, I mean, look her up because I am all about um, having a doula for a VBAC. It's why I got started into being um, a doula because I had a really incredible doula when for my first VBAC. And um, so thank you for sharing that information. And thank you for spending time on the phone with us today. Uh, I'm so glad that your story worked out so well, and I'm so glad that you were willing to share with us today and that you didn't think I was some crazy stalker person. So oh, thank you for that. <laughs> Kelsey, that's an awesome story. I love it. As we're hearing more and more VBAC stories, we're hearing that moms are being told that their pelvises are too small or they're too small. And so we wanted to bring some education today on cephalopelvic disproportion, which is CPD. And Dr. Mazmunder, I think is how you say it, Dr. Mazmunder, um, he wrote an article on gynoline.com that really intrigued us and we wanted to share some of that information today. Um, And along with him telling kind of how um, or what's common in CPD moms as far as like the shape of the pelvis and diseases and things like that. 
which are super fascinating, so you should definitely go check those out. Um, he talks about the diagnosis of CPD, and he said that diagnosis of CPD is actually very difficult to give. Um, this is because it is difficult to estimate exactly how much the mother's ligaments and joints will give or relax before labor even starts. The fetal head is also a has a great capacity to mold. The skull's bones can overlap to some extent and decrease to the diameter of the head. So a baby who appears to be big to pass through a mother's birth passage before labor may do so without any problem at all. He talks about trial of labor and that any mom should have the right to have a trial of labor despite um, any belief of the average size of the pelvis, as long as you know the baby's an average size and the mom's pelvis is an average size. Um, and he goes on further of how to estimate really the size of the pelvis and um, really talks about a manual um, examination with the pelvic bones and the vaginal and um, through vaginal ex, um, examination, which was really intriguing and CT scan and ultrasound. So if you are interested in learning more about CPD and what he has to say about CPD, give him or give that website a look. If you're interested in checking out more of what he has to say about CPD, visit the show notes and we will post that link. It's super intriguing. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, Post on social media with a hashtag YWeVBAC and tag at the VBAC link or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website utahvbaclink.com for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.